Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church. It's great to see you this morning. My name is Gene. I'm one of the preachers here. And I had a friend recently ask me about Billy Graham. Billy Graham just died. And this friend, I don't think, was a a believer. He said that Billy Graham seemed like a great man, but he had such a huge house. Was it really all about Jesus? And I didn't really have a great answer for him. This morning, we're going to be talking about money. How should Christians think about money? What should they do with their money? How much is too much? How little is too little? With pastors like Joel Osteen and Creflo Dollar preaching Christianity and at the same time having a ton of material wealth, what should we think about stuff like that? And I'm not, I'm not saying anything explicitly about Billy Graham, um, simply just to, to get us thinking this morning. What did Jesus think about wealth? What did he think about poverty? As a Christian today, how much should I give? How much should I give to the church? How much should I save? How much do I put toward groceries and entertainment, mission? What does God want me to do with my wealth? And we won't cover all of these in detail this morning, but we're going to do something better. We're going to pull some principles from Proverbs and see what the Lord has to say about money. And that will help us tremendously. So if you're new this morning or you're visiting with us, welcome. We are in the middle of a a series on the Proverbs, speaking topically on them. Peter started off our series by talking about the, the book overall and how to, how to think about the book and how to read individual proverbs in light of the first nine chapters. He said that we're dealing with a spectrum in proverbs and that, that the one end of the spectrum is the Lord at the other is ourselves. And as we read individual proverbs, we can either choose to move toward the Lord and toward his fame, his glory, his, his plan. Or we can go the other way and we can we can choose our own desires. We can choose our own glory. We can choose our own selfishness. So as you read individual Proverbs, chapters 10 through 31, that's that's how you can think about it. Am I going to move closer to the Lord or am I going to um, serve myself? And Dan shared last week a little bit, you know, how to do this with your words. How do you move closer to the Lord in the use of your words? And this week, let's talk about money. Let's let's talk about how as we move closer to the Lord, it's going to change the way we think about money. It's going to change the way we uh, we use money. So I'm going to pray for us and we can get started. God, thank you so much for your grace. And, Lord, you paid the ultimate cost. You came down and you gave your life that we would be rich. Jesus, we love you so much. We could never repay you. And we pray for your blessing this morning. God, would you teach us through your word? Would you loosen our grip on money? And would you tighten our grip on you? In Jesus' name, amen. So, two points this morning. How to think about wealth. What to do with it? First, 
How do you think about wealth? Well, first, it is temporary. We're going to look at Proverbs 23. And rather than have you flip through all the, the different Proverbs, we're going to have them up there for you on the screen. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings and flies like an eagle toward heaven. So just as an eagle flies away, so suddenly your, your wealth grows wings and it flies away. You guys know the Steve Miller band, right? Fly like an eagle to the sea. That's what your money does. It flies away. This shows that wealth is gone in an instant. It's not that you never had it. Verse 4, you toiled to acquire it, but it doesn't stick around for long. This means that we cannot set our hope in holding on to it. So how does this apply? Know this about money. Know that it is temporary. Spend it, save it, give it as if it is temporary because it is. It's going to fly away. And with each of these points, I'm going to, to show us what our hearts are sh- truly longing for is Jesus. It's not money, it's Jesus. So money flies away. Jesus never flies away. Jesus is a rock. He will never leave you. He is forever. Next way to think about wealth. It is insecure. It is insecure. Proverbs 18.11 A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. In his imagination. So this this rich man's wealth is not an actual high wall that can defend him. Actually, it's it's imaginary. It's not real. It's like me standing on my roof at home saying, "Okay, I'm going to jump off because there's a trampoline down there to catch me. There's no trampoline. If I jump off, it's going to it's going to really hurt. This shows that wealth cannot defend. It might seem like a high wall. The world might talk about it being a high wall that can protect you. But it is imaginary. The Lord himself, he is the true high wall. He is the one who can defend and protect. This means that you cannot trust in wealth. You cannot trust in this as your high wall. It might be a helpful tool, but God, God himself, Jesus Christ, he is the defender. He is the fortress. He is the high wall that can defend. And Jesus might be Invisible to us right now, but he is anything but imaginary. He is very, very real. Next thing about uh, how to think about wealth, it is visible. Visible. Proverbs twenty-eight, twenty-seven. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. He who hides his eyes from the poor 
pretending like he doesn't see, will get curses. This this is a agreed that this proverb is warning against. Agreed that basically says, oh, there's a need. I'm going to pretend like I don't see it so that I don't have to give to it. Proverbs says that, that for that person is reserved curses. This is like when somebody asks you for help and you hear them, but you just don't really want to do what they ask for. And so you pretend like you don't hear them. I do that, sadly. And I know exactly what they're asking. I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. And this does not please God. God is not pleased with us seeing a need and pretending like we don't see it. Because we don't want to, we don't want to give toward the need. He's not pleased with an unwillingness to trust Him with our wealth. And of course, caveat, we can't give to absolutely everything we see. Then we wouldn't have any money left for groceries or for our next car, for whatever it is. So we can't give absolutely everything away, but the greed that this is warning against is the greed that says, there's a need, I'm going to pretend like I don't see it, I want it for myself, I'm, I'm going to keep it for myself. That greed is, is what receives curses. And this, this shows us that God sees, or rather it, it reminds us, God sees everything, absolutely everything. He sees the need of the poor, He sees your money, He sees you see the need, he sees you pretend like you don't see the need. He, like, he sees it all. So how does this apply when you see a need? Acknowledge it as a need and give. Give if you can toward the need. The giving heart trusts the Lord as he gives freely. First part of the verse. Jesus, aren't you glad that when he saw our need, he didn't pretend like he didn't see it? He saw our need. He saw us dead in our sin. And rather than pretend like it wasn't there, He came and He rescued. He gave Himself so that we would have life. Uh, last thing to, to consider this morning about how to think about it. It is, wealth is valuable. It's valuable. Proverbs 19.4 Wealth brings many new friends. But a poor man is deserted by his friend. So wealth, it, it brings friends. Poverty actually loses friends. This is like, think back to elementary school when you used to pack your lunch. Everybody is the friend of the guy who has the awesome packed lunch. Why is that true? That's true because everybody knows that when he's done eating what he wants, he will dole out the rest of his awesome lunch, his fruit roll-ups and his hostess pies and whatever uh, you know else he has in there. And this proverb is kind of like that. It's saying that, that wealth wins people. There is a benefit to wealth. You can use it to win people. You can use it to win friends. 
And this, this proverb implies it's okay to do that. It's probably not okay to stay there. I'm just going to pay you to be my friend. No, but it's okay to start there and use it to begin building that relationship. In fact, it's biblical. Wealth wins friends. Practically, this might look like this. You have a a spacious car, a nice car. Use it to offer rides to people. Cart people around wherever they need to go. Here and there. and, And while you're in the car, start building relationships with the people that you you shuttle around. And as there's opportunity, you can talk about, yeah, I go to church on Sundays, I worship Jesus, I love Him, I'd be happy to drive you there if you ever want to go. Um, so that's that's one example. Another one that I've I've uh, it's really shifted my perspective on on hosting. One friend I have, he he used the wealth that God gave him in college to create this environment in his house that people just were drawn to. They wanted to come hang out at his house because he he just with his wealth created this comfortable environment. He always had snacks and food and drink, and it was just very generous with his wealth. Um, and what resulted, what God did through it was, was this, he formed this community of, of people, non-Christians, Christians. They were talking and laughing and considering the gospel. Like it's, what else would you do with your wealth? That's a fantastic use of wealth. How can you use your wealth to win friends for the sake of the gospel? So as we, as we sum up, here's how to think about wealth. It is temporary. It is insecure. It is valuable. And it is visible. So what do we do with it? What do we do with our, our wealth? John Wesley is attributed with saying, he's talking about money, earn all you can, give all you can, save all you can. And I love, I love the diversification of that. Earn all you can, give all you can, save all you can. All that you can for each of them. And I think that that quote is derived from the scriptures. Because the scriptures talk about all three. So let's let's consider the scriptures. Proverbs 3 talks about giving your money to the church. Giving it to God. 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will be bursting with wine. So as, as God is honored, as the first fruits are given to Him, barns are full, vats are bursting. This shows that as we move toward God, as we honor Him, we will always have enough. We will always have enough. This is like a, a little girl who gives her dad a gift, writes her a little card, different colors on it. Here, Daddy, I want you to have this. 
The dad owns the construction paper. The dad owns the markers that she used. The dad owns the house that she probably sat in while she made it. But but she's giving it back to him, saying, Here, thank you for giving me everything that you've given to me. I want to give this to you because I love you. It's like that. It's us giving back a small part of what God has given us. What He's provided for us. So how does this apply? Give. Give to the church. This is not an optional thing for Christians. This is not for super Christians. This is, this is for everybody. Give to the Lord. There are some of you sitting here who don't give to the church. But giving to Him is an act of honoring Him. It's an act of loving God and being faithful with financial resources. And when you give, you're giving to amazing stuff. You're giving to stuff like this building and like the baptismal that we have. Now as a church, a couple weeks we're going to use that for the first time because somebody wants to follow Jesus. Like, that's an amazing privilege to give towards something like that. And the Korean church, they they get to use this space too. Uh, CDFC, the Child Development Program, they get to use our building and, and benefit from it. So as you give in faith to the Lord, God uses it for amazing things. We have the joy of thinking about how the, the first cut of our paycheck goes to God. We have the joy and the privilege of giving. Now, what if you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't have a job. I don't have any source of income. What do I do? Particularly college students. What do I do? How do I think about this? There is no asterisk on this verse that says, except in the case of college students, this is true. So while I'm not saying that you will give as much as somebody who has regular income, it's still true. These these words are still true. As you honor the Lord with your wealth, you'll always have enough. You will always have enough. And you could think of creative ways. How can I scale back here so that I could give? How could I scale back on coffee or eating out so that I would have the joy of giving? So just practically... Oh, no, I want to share one more story. I remember when I was in college, somebody in my family basically told me, okay, you just earned some income from an internship. God doesn't want you to give that to him yet. Wait until you have a full-time job. Um, Wait until you're steady and regular. And I was like, it kind of makes sense from a worldly perspective, but no, I want to give to God. What? What? No. I'm I'm delighted to give to the Lord. He has saved me and redeemed me. I love Him. He's given me this internship. I get thousands a month. No. I'm giving to the church. It's a joy for me to give to Him. And just practically speaking, there's a a box back there at the end of the, uh, the sanctuary. You can place checks in there for Grace Fellowship. 
If you're a member, you can go on our website. There's a there's an address to which you can mail checks if you're into bank bill pay and that sort of thing, having your, your bank do it. But the point, the point is, let's give to the Lord in faith. Let's trust him with our resources. Let's give to his mission, to his gospel going forth. Okay, long point. Here's the next one. Uh, be generous with your wealth. Be generous. Proverbs 11.24 One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. So these two things are contrasted. One gives freely, one withholds. One lavishes generously, one is an Ebenezer Scrooge. And this, this reveals the hearts of these two men, right? One is selfish and the other gives freely. One is selfish and ends in being more selfish, suffering want. And the other grows all the richer. So counterintuitive. What's implied here is that God is in control of the bigger picture. He's in control of resources that go here and that go there. One gives freely, but God brings more back to him. One withholds, and God allows that person to suffer in his selfishness. God moves stuff where he wants it. Which person are you? Are you the the one who freely gives, or are you the one who hoards? Do you have a generous heart? Or do you have a hoarding heart? Last uh, point for us this morning, what to do with your wealth. Let's save our wealth. Let's save it. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. And I'll just focus on the, the first part. So the good man, he leaves an inheritance, not just for his children, but for his children's children. That implies that when his children are done with it, there's some left over for the grandchildren. Like there's that much of it. This man has thought about future generations to that extent that he saves that much money. And that he's that concerned with the welfare of, of other people that there's, there's that much to go around. How does this apply? Do you think about saving for your grandchildren? Do you think about the, the welfare of not only your children, but your children's children? Do you consider their welfare and how you could use your, your welfare to bless? I just heard a story the other day of a grandfather who gave thousands so that his grandson could buy a car. Grandson was in, the, in no place to, to buy a car. Grandfather said, here you go. Here's a new car. That, that is what I want to do with my money. And we could talk more, moving on from, from saving, we could talk more this morning about what the Proverbs say. They, they encourage us to know our flocks and to, to budget our money. The Proverbs speak of the, the borrower being a slave. So, so if you're in debt, you are a slave to whoever lends you money. But we're going to, we're going to sum up and and move on this morning. So what should you do with your wealth? You should give it to the church. You should be generous with it. You should save it. 
let's close by talking about what's better than money. What is better than wealth? There is a poverty worse than having no money. There is a wealth better than having great riches. Proverbs 16.8 Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Better is a little if you have righteousness. Righteousness is being contrasted with money. They're not opposites in and of themselves, but if you have to choose one, choose righteousness. Righteousness is better than money. It's better to have a little bit with righteousness than great money with with injustice. If you are dirt poor and you are pursuing godliness, you are in better shape than the man with $50,000 in his bank account who doesn't give a lick about godliness. So what does this mean? This means that anytime you're tempted to believe, oh, money is better than godliness, money is better than righteousness, you're being tempted to believe a lie. You're being tempted to believe the opposite of what God says. And this fits beautifully with the life of our Lord Jesus. Jesus lived this proverb. Though he was rich, he became poor, but he held on to his righteousness. He prized righteousness above all else. He never sinned. And then by dying, by rising, he gives his righteousness to us. We are not only at a zero account righteousness-wise, we are far negative, infinitely negative. And what Jesus does is says, I'm going to live a poor life, preserve my righteousness, and then I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to take your account from negative infinity to positive infinity so that I can be with you forever. You want to talk about a good investment. That's about the, that's the best deal you'll ever get. Best deal you'll ever get. If you consider yourself a non-Christian this morning, did you know that this is true? Did you know that we can go from negative infinity spiritually, we have sinned, we have fallen short, to positive infinity. I am righteous and pure and perfect in the sight of God because of the righteousness of Jesus. Did you know that there's something more secure than money? The world loves talking about the security of, of money and how you should invest here and, and this and that, and you'll, then you'll be safe. God is more secure than money. He puts money to shame. Jesus, He secures us. He secures our place with God the Father. He secures our eternity with Him by giving us righteousness we don't deserve. He secures not only our pathway to heaven, but He secures us as we walk through daily life. He is our rock. He is our our friend who never leaves. Money flies away. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you forever. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to take you into eternity with, with me. And along these lines, closing thought here, we have a, a seminar this morning. Steph talked about it at the beginning. We're going to be talking about righteousness and wealth and, and um, injustice in our Helping Without Hurting seminar. 
I'm not sure if she gave the details for that, but that's this coming Saturday from 8 to 3 here in this building. $10 gets you breakfast, lunch, and a whole lot of good teaching. So come on out for that. See Eric or Steph if you'd like to register for that. And uh, let me close as we consider what we've learned. As we move closer to God, we are going to change the way we think about money. We are going to change what we do with our wealth. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. You have given us Jesus Christ. You have taken our righteousness account from negative infinity to positive infinity. You have given much at the cost of your own blood. And God, we are forever, forever um, uh, willing to follow you because of what you've done. Thank you. We pray, God, that you help us, help us in our thinking about money, help us to, to change the way we think about it. Help us to change uh, what we do with it as well. God, we want to honor you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.